Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. I'm Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joined by my co-hosts, Mickey Turner, Susie Rantz, Tim Foss, Beth Mantle, and Dave Clark. This has been an extremely weird podcast. How are they going to be able to handle that? Just the bottom line is they don't have an answer to that. There was never really a time when I was super concerned. Seattle did fine. There's a reason they got signed to first-team contracts. Very special guest, Brian Spencer, head coach of Seattle Sounders. You know who he is. Brian... How are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do. Hello, and welcome into another episode of the Sounder Art Podcast. I am, of course, your host, Mark Kastner. I'm joined by the lovely Susie Rance, Tim Foss, and Jeremiah O'Shan. And uh, despite maybe our better judgment, despite maybe <laughs> at this point some of our desires, uh, the Sounders are actually still not out of the playoff race. So uh, uh, we are going to talk about... Uh, uh, a pretty a pretty strange, disappointing, but also not incredibly disappointing Cincinnati game. And then obviously look ahead to the final two games of the season against uh, Sporting Kansas City and San Jose Earthquakes. Uh, Jeremiah, uh, how are you feeling about things and uh, the Sounders' chances overall? You know, well, I, I suppose I have sort of like uh, come to peace with the Sounders chances overall, which is, I don't know. I, I don't think I'm, I don't, I'm not going to say you're going to say the Sounders chances are good. Uh, they, they aren't. I think I saw one estimate is that even if they win their last two, they've only got something like between a 30 and 50% chance of making the playoffs. So it, the, they put themselves in a pretty big hole. It's, it's not outside the realm of possibility that they can get in, but uh, I think 538 probably has their percentage, their 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 uh, likelihood of making the playoffs uh, deep into single digits at this point, and that's not unfair. Yeah. Uh, you know they and that was they needed a, they really needed to win the the FC Cincinnati game. The odds were sort of stacked against them with that lineup, but I I did think it was a gutsy performance, if not a great performance. Yeah, we'll get into the kind of the game and. And whatnot. Uh, Susie, when that lineup came out, you know, about an hour before kickoff, uh, how are you feeling? And then how are you feeling kind of after the game with how everything went, you know, within the game? Yeah, I wouldn't say I was particularly surprised by the lineup given who was available. I was happy to see Ethan Dobelair get a shot. So I think that, like, I was pleasantly surprised to see him in the starting lineup. Um, after the game, I like it with this match in isolation, I don't think that I was feeling like one, one way or another about the match itself, yeah. like the players on the field with who they had available, I thought put in a decent performance, but in the context of what the Sounders had to do, it was extremely frustrating. Yeah, it, it, it was especially frustrating and maybe the most frustrating part of the game, Tim, was uh, not even necessarily going down 1-0, but picking up a red card when you were, when, when Seattle went, was down 1-0. Uh, Tim, I want, I want to know how you felt when you saw 
Kellen Rowe received the red card. <laughs> I think I think Will Bruin summed it up pretty well in his post-match comments that just when it rains, it pours. And it seems like it's been pouring a lot since I, he, he said since CCL, but I think really, you know, the last two months thereabouts, um, it, it kind of felt like that was just what was coming. Um, I, yeah, we're going to talk more about the actual performance of the game later, but it kind of felt like there's there's just this level of waiting for the other shoe to drop drop that comes with every Sounders game at this point, and that kind of felt like it was the other shoe dropping. The first one probably coming from the the opening goal they gave up, and then that red sort of seemed like, well, this is a Sounders game that <laughs> checks out. We've we've completed the the punch card that makes this qualify. Yeah, and the the kind of the final bingo thing before we really kind of dig in on the performance, Jeremiah, was uh, having a very solid first half and allowing just the cheapest goal imaginable, right? Yeah, you know, it was funny because I I didn't think they would go with a with a three center back lineup. And yeah, you you got duped. I got duped. I really did. <laughs> uh, Brian seemed to give pretty strong indications that they were gonna do a four two three like stay with the four two three one and to his credit it worked you know the the three center backs matched up really well with Brenner and Brandon Vasquez uh you know up until the goal they allowed they had really not given up any clear chances and that that formation did spectacular work I thought and then it just it looked it was a complete mess an absolute mess on on the goal. Uh, Yamar gets caught chasing way way far upfield. He's you know he's 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 like well into his own half. What? Well, yes, well into the offensive half. Jackson Reagan then also gets sucked up and he he gets cut out by a pass pretty easily. And then it's it's Sissoko and Rowe, one on you know who I think have probably dropped too deep at that point. Because if you have your two other center backs that pre- far press forward, why is why is Brenner? Why are you following Brenner way way back? Yeah, here? just like stop, just stop running. He'll be offside. Right, right, exactly. Like like stop at the at, if you're pressing that high, you need to stop at the mid at the midfield line and let you know let Brenner do whatever he wants behind you. Uh, and so and then Sissoko compounds that mistake by making an overly aggressive play on the ball instead of kind of playing the man. Rowe gets sort of caught flat footed. And it's and it's off to the races. It was, you know, I, I don't I don't want to say it was Sissoko's fault. I don't want to say it was just Rose's fault. There was a lot of, de- you know, Josh Atencio also basically gets caught in no man's land on that. But a lot of mistakes, uncharacteristic though of the way that they had played that half. But frustrating. Even that makes it even more frustrating. I think to to give it up. Yeah, and <clears throat> I think I think we could probably get into there's probably a more interesting conversation to be had about who was disappointing, but as Susie kind of uh, hit earlier and we, and whoever kind of wanted, wants to take this and run with it, you can, I thought Ethan Dobler playing at that right wing back, like very far advanced, very far wide was very encouraging. And, you know, maybe 
maybe that's not it's I, I can almost guarantee it's not going to be something that we see for the rest of this season because it's almost over but kind of looking ahead at like what's his best position what does he offer he was just so bright he got himself into a lot of dangerous spots. I thought he won the duels you want him to win. You know, he did some good work chasing chasing down, uh, you know, as being an outlet and and sort of chasing balls down that were sent deep. He he didn't show a lot of class in the in the final third. I'm not super worried about that right now. That's not necessarily what you put him out there to do at this stage. Uh, I I think he held his own. And, you know, he, he kept, I thought he, he did a good job of keeping Cincinnati honest. I, something that occurs to me now that I didn't really think much of during the game, but I, and this could be totally wrong, but I wonder how much the types of passes he was playing once he got to the end line or just inside the box are more the types of passes that suit the runners that he has when he plays with Tacoma Defiance versus the runs that were being made in that game. But still, you know, he he has all of the tools to be able to pick his head up at that point and pick out a, a cross or a pass rather than there were several where it seemed like he saw the pass or a couple passes he could make and then he split the difference between those two passes. Um, but I think, you know, he he might not put in perfect performances, but I think even since we started seeing him play with the Sounders here and there last season, he he's always shown, I think, a, a quality that is deserving of a little bit more time, a few more looks. Um, I think especially this season since his return from loan and then breaking his hand or wrist while he was on loan before actually playing any games um he he just has an immediate instinct to move forward with the ball once he gets it which i think the way that they want their fullbacks to play or their wingbacks when they play with wingbacks is is really well suited to that role um so at the very least having a a good second option behind alex Roldan that is not just Kellen Rowe as first choice for both right back and left back is is a nice little little thing to have that came through your academy and your development system. I thought that um, there were many times, especially in the first half, where it seemed like the Sounders were advancing the ball and they just didn't have enough attacking options to choose from. Like they were overloading and there was nobody on the backside. And um, so crosses aren't going to go to anybody because there's nobody else in the box. And um, I, th- I I don't know how much that played a role in Ethan's decision-making at all. I'm not in his shoes, but there was sometimes where I was frustrated to see how few options they did have, especially in the first half. I, I uh, concur. I it, there were at least two or three crosses I felt like that looked sort of like good coming off the foot and then you realized why is there no why is there one runner at the near post and no one else in the box and I I suppose maybe that's one of the that's one of the the challenges when when you're playing with the formation that they were playing where you have you know where where Freddie is not necessarily doing a lot of those back post post runs and he's effectively turns into your second forward but especially since like you you have Russ Knack over there kind of wanting to do number 10 type things and then you have two 
ostensibly holding midfielders who I think, I think Atencio does a really good job making runs, but it's not like his best. Right. Attribute. Right. And, and you're not usually going to get that back. You're it's not very often you're going to get that back post run from your left back, especially when that left back is Kellen Rowe for, you know, for all of his attributes is not necessarily the guy who's crashing. You, you expect yeah. crashing the box. I think it's, I think it's kind of funny that maybe Kellen Rowe's two best half performances this season came in games where he's picked up a red card because <laughs> that pass he played to Freddie for the goal was, was just unbelievable. No, it was a spectacular pass. And I he thought he was really, having, go ahead, Tim. Oh, he had a really ridiculous cross on Christian's header that went wide of the goal too. Like he very nearly had two absolutely beautiful assists before also getting his second red card of the season. Yeah, never had been red carded in his career. He's been red carded twice this year. Sort of sums up the way this one's gone, I think, for the Sounders. Yeah, unfortunately. And and both were sort of, like, not really his fault. Like, maybe it would be kind of explainable or understandable, I guess I should say, that if, like, you know, he puts his studs into somebody's thigh or, right. you know, like, lashes out with a elbow or something. Like, yeah, obviously. But, you know, his first red card, he shouldn't be doing that with the ball, but it's a little ridiculous that he's picking up a second yellow for time wasting, like a minute into the second half or whatever it was. And when then they're this, chasing the game. Yeah. Yeah. And then this one where he picks up a red card for uh, denial of an obvious goal scoring chance when s- some weird stuff happened kind of all over that play. But, well, you know, can yeah. we look, talk about that a little bit? I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was surprised at the sort of consensus. It, it seemed like there was a consensus, like, well, yeah, it's a it's a red card. But for me, I I don't know. He the uh, is it Silva that wins the that wins the ball there? He wins the ball. His touch is really heavy. There's no chance of him getting to that ball, no matter what Rowe does to him. And that's got, I mean, that, that is literally one of the factors in, in dog. So is, is, you know, the ability of the attacker to actually win the ball. And I don't know, for me, that's, that would have been a pretty easy yellow card and an uncontroversial yellow card at that. Yeah. I do. I do wonder if, if he gives, gives the yellow card, goes to VAR, what happens. But since I think he makes the decision, uh just like that it's kind of right. hard to do that no Does it's not gonna get overturned have, yeah does anybody have a, a yeah, differing I opinion think, i do think because the touch was toward goal at the very least it makes it a little less debatable um i mean it was a heavy touch toward goal but um i was thinking of the rain last year sarah buity got a red card rescinded because the player took a touch that was like away from the goal and toward the touch line and she fouled her in the box foul was a debatable term too but um that got rescinded because the player wasn't going toward goal at all but this one was pretty clearly and maybe maybe it takes a different touch if rose not like and and row it kind of does come from behind you know it's not yeah and i don't know like i never i was watching at home obviously because i'm several thousand miles away uh (laughs) not well two thousand miles away uh, but uh, <laughs> um, 
they never they never showed a replay of like whatever the like handball shout was at least on the broadcast i was watching uh, oh no they did i i don't think they did on the... but i will they say didn't show anything live at all yeah. the handball or the foul i i will say like i'll kind of put my foot down and say i don't want and unless it was like a very clear handball and pro- like should have ended up as a penalty for the Sounders, which I don't think this situation was. I don't want VAR to overturn plays that happen a hundred yards away. Just oh, you're because... talking about the handball that that preceded the penalty or the yeah yeah yeah. yeah. yeah, the, yeah. Uh, I think maybe it was Christian that had a cross and it like came came off the dude's body and then they go up the other end of the pitch and that's what leads to the transition. Anyways, uh, as much fun as it is to talk about referee decisions, I think it's more fun to talk about the Sounders uh, players and, and whatnot. Uh, we're, you know, we talked about uh, Doubleware uh, extensively. He had a, a very great performance. Did anybody, uh, Tim, did anybody else kind of stand out to you that uh, you were surprised by? Good or bad? I, <laughs> um, no, I mean... I think everyone played at least pretty well outside of Kellen Rowe getting a red card and six of the 11 guys on the field doing a weird thing when they gave up the goal. Um, I felt like everyone pretty, pretty well did what you would have hoped at least. Um, I, I think, you know, Freddie Montero just keeps doing things that I will find myself thinking like, man, Freddie Montero just doesn't do X anymore. And then within like 30 minutes, he does exactly the thing that I was lamenting that he doesn't do anymore. Uh, that, that goal is certainly an example of it that really felt like vintage Freddie. Um, I think the combo of Atencio and Leva again was maybe not perfect maybe that's not everything that you hope for out of your central midfield duo but I thought they were solid again and allowed other people to do the things that they're best at which hard to ask for too much more when you're not paying them gobs of money yeah um I think one one performance that kind of stuck out to me, I guess, in a, in a negative sense. And uh, perhaps it's unfair and perhaps you'll tell me it's unfair, Susie, but uh, I just don't see the same, the same, the same Yamar as I saw for the previous two seasons. Um, and it, it was abundantly clear on Cincinnati's goal, uh, just kind of his decision-making. And I don't know, Susie, if you have anything about that, that you think is interesting. I don't, I, I do think like compared to last season, yeah, I mean, he was just like led the league in interceptions by like an enormous amount. <laughs> I remember last season and um, I don't feel that same level of dominance. I will say, I don't feel like I noticed him necessarily in the Cincinnati game, but, but I, that's also sometimes you want to notice the center back doing good things like Reagan getting down there to block a shot. Um, some of those plays um, stand out. And I don't remember, besides Cincinnati's goal, a lot from Yamar. 
Uh, Jeremiah, do you have any thoughts about that? Or am I just kind of being unfair in my assessment? I don't think you're being, a, I don't think you're being unfair. Uh, I would say it's sort of, this has sort of been my assessment of a lot of players with the Sounders, which is, I don't, I don't know if any of them have fallen off a cliff. Like, I don't, I don't know that if you go down the roster, you go, Oh, you know, Nico Ladero, uh, to use an example that was used last year, just, just doesn't seem to have it anymore. And I don't have a lot of hope that he'll be better, but it every, I, I feel like everyone almost has been like five or 10% worse than they were at their best. And you sort of add that up and it's sort of this like negative force multiplier of it just being a little, not, not quite enough. And, and that's how you, I think it's part of how you get, I think it's 14 one goal losses this year. And Yamar falls into that bucket. This is a guy who was a legitimate defender of the year candidate last year. And no, he's not been awful, but he's been no, nowhere near defender of the year quality. He's not been anywhere. Like he's not, he's like a, he's like a bang average starting center back for a team that is struggling to get into the playoff race. Like that's, he's playing at that level. And I would say Ariaga, like Ariaga uh, last year, I oftentimes made the argument that he was, if not the best defender, he was the probably their most consistent defender last year. And the things that he was doing really well were things like passing out of the back. And I don't feel like we've seen that from him at all this year. Like, I, I just don't feel like he, I don't remember, a, a, I don't remember a passing sequence where I thought like, oh, uh, Javier Ariaga revelation. He's pushing the ball. He's breaking lines. He's, he's pushing the attack forward. And I don't think Ariaga and, and Yamar are the reason the Sounders are in the spot, but I do think they're very indicative of how they got here. Yeah. And I think like to, to the man, every single player on the roster, you could point to and say like, this thing is, isn't the reason why, isn't the whole reason why the team is bad. But as you said, Jeremiah, that like everybody's at fault, which kind of makes it a little bit frustrating because we just want to be able to be like, hey, if this guy didn't play, it would be fine. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, you had mentioned Freddie Montero earlier and how or I guess maybe Tim mentioned him. Yeah. You know, that goal he scored is. I mean, that's vintage. Good of a goal. it's vintage. That's, yeah. you know, you, you put that in a bottle, you can sell that to you know, Real Madrid for a hundred million dollars. Right. Like, it's like, that's a, it's a spectacular strike. It's a spectacular sequence and that he's capable of it makes you think, geez, how do you let this guy go? Uh, especially on the, the money he's making. And yet like, and then he, he also almost scores a free kick. Like he, he yeah. is that free kick. He had almost, almost was the winner uh, right after Kellen Rose. And, and you get performances like that and you go, yeah, you get like, where, where would you be without Freddie Montero? And then on the other hand, you're like, can they do better with that roster spot? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I do think it's worth pointing out that we are very disappointed. Uh, well, not, I shouldn't say, but we're, we have mixed emotions about not winning this game. And maybe, maybe all four of us feel like we should have won the game, but I do need to point out, that uh, uh, Sergio Santos had four misses from inside the six yard box. 
in the second half. And he only sub he only played 23 minutes. No, I there was some talk in the post game about how uh you know maybe we should have gotten we we deserved better result. The Sunders did not deserve a better. Like I don't I don't wanna yeah. like I gotta I like there were moments where you felt like they might pull it out, but like in no world did they deserve a better result than they got. I think, you know, more realistically, they were very lucky. To, like, I think their XG was like 195 to 0.35 or something like that. Like, uh, and Sergio Santos was like half, over half of that. Yeah. And just that spectacular miss at the end. Uh, yeah. The, the last thing I want to touch on with this game, uh, and I'll go to Susie for this one, is uh, kind of maybe the elephant in the room that we really, really haven't talked about is uh, Christian Ruban's return from a pretty lengthy injury. Uh, at first, I didn't think it was that long, and then I kind of looked at – he hadn't played since, like, the beginning of August, and I was like, that's a lot of games. Uh, Susie, what uh, did you see from Christian, and are you just happy he's back? <laughs> well, I definitely think the overall energy of the team jumped up pretty dramatically when he came on. Um, that's what he brings. Uh, I felt like he had a few, like, very awkward touches right at the beginning where, like, he just kind of, like, dribble past the ball to nobody and um, which is just really uncharacteristic of him but then he settled into the game quite well um I thought when he came on Dobler was much more effective in the attack like like um they read each other well um same with Tevas like Tim mentioned I thought they obviously have played together quite a bit so you could say, see that um, I don't, I wouldn't say it was like a vintage Christian rolled on performance, but it was just so good to see the energy that he can bring to the team when they're down a player um, and his ability to get in the box. Obviously he didn't put the header where he wanted, but he was, he's in the right spot often all the time. And you got to see a little glimpse of that. The energy was vintage Christian rolled on. If not the performance. Yeah. And, you know, today uh, Christian talked to the press <laughs> And I, it's, I want to, I, I, he talked to, he, he'd been apparently playing with intense discomfort for about a month. Uh, like he said, in the, starting in the national game, he felt a pop and then, then he felt another pop in a different game. And he's just, uh, so he, he, he had been, and it had been showing, you know, he, he said that he couldn't get over 85% of his max, his max speed, uh, which modern science, right. He's able to yeah. actually, actually know that, uh, uh it's like not an estimation i'm sure someone actually gave him data saying like yeah. your top speed is 85 percent of what it used to be uh but yeah so i i think it it's fair i think it's fair to wonder where this team would be if they had a fully fit christian roldan all year because they have been missing his especially you know you look at he started the year it's, it's hard it's funny because i i had kind of forgotten how good he started the year i mean he was he 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 was legitimately in like a best eleven type of form, especially if you include what he was doing. He what he did in Champions League. Yeah, and, I thought I thought it was a little weird that Fry got the MVP of the tournament given his Christian Ronaldo's performances. But yeah, and that was he, a long time ago, <laughs> right? And his and it, but that's like another another player who's sort of just like you know he started he, he, you know he he hadn't he hadn't scored in like nine games or he hasn't had an assist i don't even think he he just his production totally fell off a cliff uh yeah basically shortly you know right before the games that he uh was hurt you look back at his numbers and it's pretty obvious yeah tim yeah you can you can look at any of the sites that offer you know match logs for teams or players and christian through 
all competitions basically up until he got injured was at like five goals and double digit assists between CCL and MLS. He had three goals, five assists. He's now got four goals, five assists in MLS. You can, you can basically see the point where he starts playing with injury and he goes like three games without anything. He gets a goal and then he goes, you know, however many more games before he misses, he probably, you know, that's 10 games of the season, at least that the Sounders didn't have full strength Christian where, yeah, you saw, even if he wasn't at a hundred percent against Cincinnati, the, the intensity and the energy and the intelligence that he plays with puts himself in dangerous positions and other teams have to be conscious of that. And they have to pay more attention and that opens space for other players. Um, it's definitely, you know, there's not a single thing that has been wrong with the Sounders this season, but you can look at, you know, Drop Hallow goes out injured for the rest of the season. And he previously has been described by Garth Lagerway as a force multiplier, that there's lots of things that he himself does really well, but the best attribute that he brings to the team is how much better he makes everyone around him play because they're able to be that much more secure in what they have to do and they get to do the things they're better at. The same is very much true for Christian Roldan in a different way. Like he just creates so much more space for the other people around him and makes the seemingly unnecessary runs that aren't going to pay off that more often than not seem to over the course of a season turn into goals or opportunities or penalties or whatever and not having that guy you you might think okay the next guy isn't that much of a drop in quality but there's a reason that even when he's not seeing the field, he's been in contention for a trip to the World Cup with the U.S. until his injury, basically. Yeah, uh, we might as well call this uh, podcast and our entire website uh, Rolled On at Heart because Christian Rolled On is incredible. <laughs> is there anything else uh from the cincinnati games anybody wants to talk about or should we kind of move on to uh perhaps the sounders fate <laughs> all right we're gonna do it we're gonna uh we're gonna run through this exercise yet again because uh it's still it's still possible uh jeremiah do you want to tell us what needs to happen for the sounders to make the playoffs <laughs> So the, the simplest way of thinking about this is, first off, the Sounders have to win their last two games. If they drop any points, they are officially eliminated. That's the simp- That's like the most straightforward uh, okay. element to this. So, uh, But before they even play, uh, it's possible that they could be eliminated. And the things that are out of their control is there are four teams that the Sounders effectively need to be worried about. Uh, that is the actually I guess it's technically five teams uh, the Galaxy Minnesota United RSL the Timbers and Vancouver and Bank well Vancouver they don't actually have to be worried about so it is four okay. Uh, okay. because they don't if they if they went out Vancouver can't catch them uh, but if two of Minnesota RSL Galaxy and Timbers 
get to 47 points, the Sounders are out. Now, uh, theoretically, that can happen this week uh, because uh, the RSL is on 43 points. Don't need to worry about them winning. Uh, although if they tie the Galaxy, that creates a major problem for the Sounders because uh, that creates a scenario where both of those teams could theoretically finish ahead of the Sounders if, uh, if, if, uh, even if the Sounders went out, uh, then, but the Galaxy would only need one point. Uh, the Timbers would only need one point, and Minnesota can get past forty-seven by winning. So, uh, anyway, if three of those two teams were to uh, get their needed results, Sounders would be eliminated potentially even before they kick off against Sporting Kansas City. I've turned this into a little bit more of a complicated situation, uh, but <laughs> the main thing is. Sounders need some, they need to win out, which is itself a big challenge. And then they need, they need quite a bit of help. Yeah. Uh, and it probably doesn't seem likely. However, this is major league soccer. Uh, maybe right. we as a fan base have not necessarily experienced some crazy decision day bonkers stuff, but it does well, happen. It does. And, happen. and if you may remember in uh, 2019, 2018, the Sounders uh, on decision day went from uh, at one point during the day, they were fifth and they ended up finishing second. Yeah. Uh, Susie, I think you have some thoughts you'd like to share. Oh, well, I was just going to say, <laughs> I mean, it's still, it sucks to not be in control of your own destiny. Um, so that's just a sucky feeling, but um, like there is some sort of like, strange added hope because a couple of those these teams are not doing well right now like minnesota i don't think has won a game in like six games rsl's had quite a few losses or draws so the, it like gives you this perhaps false sense of hope that maybe maybe things can go in their favor yeah and and it's been like basically a month of because other teams are bad <laughs> the sounders have hope when they probably shouldn't because after uh, I mean, it, it's, it feels like it's been like this all summer, but now that we're in fall, uh, no team in MLS history is qualified for the playoffs with 16 win or 16 losses. Um, not a lot of teams have missed the playoffs with 14 wins, which if the Sounders win out, uh, they will have 14 wins. Um, I also, I also <laughs> saw that the sound, the Sounders also have the possibility are on pace at least to become the first team with a positive goal difference in a losing record <laughs> yeah which is cool that's a lot of fun uh just makes this season a lot harder to understand and it would be a lot simpler to just talk about the sounders being bad but i don't think they are right i that has been i think in a lot of ways it's been the most frustrating thing uh yeah. is that it's not like they've just been awful uh like I said earlier, they have 14 one-goal losses. Uh, they weren't good in all those games, but it sort of illustrates the that you know you turn. It's not that hard to fathom turning five uh, one-goal losses into ties. They twice lost games they led by two goals, something they had literally never done before. You know, yeah. you give them that's six points right there. You give them six points, they're and almost they're like a, right. They're they, like and, a, and they'd be playing for a home playoff game. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So it's 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 been a it's just been a crazy season. I also just, if anyone wants to get out a notebook right now, really quickly, I want to tell them their rooting guide. I just want to get this out of the yeah, way. Yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. in my brain. Okay. 
So what we want is for the galaxy to beat RSL. That it might seem counterintuitive, but we, we want to pull one of those teams out of the equation. So yeah. that's, that's one result we have to root for. We need uh, Minnesota to do no better than a tie at San Jose. That's maybe the more challenging of these results. Uh, and then the other game that is of very big importance for the Sounders, we really need LAFC to beat the Timbers in Portland. Like, okay. If we, if you get all those results, you're actually in, and the Sounders win, you actually are in okay position going into the final week. And uh, for a little bit added context, it's not like LAFC is just on the beach right now, hanging out. No, they're uh, playing for a supporter. Shield. Yeah, they are tied on points with Philadelphia uh, with the current tiebreaker, which I believe is wins. Uh, if it's goal difference, Philadelphia has that, but I'm pretty no, it's, sure it's, it's wins. wins. Yeah, it's wins. And that's uh, also really good for the Sounders because they will, if they get to 14 wins, they'll have the tiebreaker over everyone. Yeah. And uh, uh, trying to, uh, Philadelphia plays uh, Charlotte, who is practically eliminated from the playoffs, not quite, but they have 17 losses. Um, that's crazy. It's Charlotte only has two draws. I thought Seattle had the least amount of draws in the league, but that's not even true. Um, all right. So the rooting interest is we need LAFC to win. We'd like the galaxy to win. Um, and we want Minnesota to not beat wins basically. Yeah. Cool. All right. So if uh, you're crazy and you want to watch MLS this weekend, that <laughs> non sounders MLS, uh, that's what you need to do. Uh, the Sounders, however, are traveling to Kansas City, who is officially eliminated from the playoffs. So maybe they'll stop playing well, right, Tim? But like the hottest team in MLS. That's that was the point I was getting. <laughs> and and Tim was you kind of stole Tim's thunder. So. Oh, I'm sorry. No, <laughs> sorry. You're excited. We'll it's edit, okay. We'll edit this. We'll edit this out. <laughs> no, I. I don't know, man. Kansas City games are weird. They I, always suck. I'm not stoked about it. I just want to be able to have fun. I just want to have a good time. Um, yeah, maybe maybe we'll have fun. Maybe we'll have a good time. Uh, the last time the Sounders won, uh, actually, basically, basically a year to year ago today, the Sounders beat uh, Sporting Kansas City two to one. Uh, in Kansas City and that was the first time they won in Kansas City um, since uh, 2013 non-playoffs I don't even have the playoffs in front of me so uh, Susie how do you feel kind of getting the Calvary back Um, we don't know about Raul Rui Diaz Uh, we're recording on Thursday Um, we don't know about his health but pretty much everybody else went into that went into the international break uh, came out fine. They're not injured. So Susie, how do you feel about our chances? Um, I feel like Tom, like Tim, which is like, I hate <laughs> sporting Kansas City. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm feeling not good from that sense, but, um, you know, we did, I, I don't, rem- I like, I can't even remember the circumstances. It feels like three decades ago, but we did quite well against them at home, um, earlier in the year. 
We beat him 3 0. Yeah, we yeah. beat the brakes off of him. Yeah. So maybe we can carry that momentum in. Um, but as Jeremiah has alluded to, uh, they haven't lost since uh, August 13th against Austin FC in a game that required a 94th minute winner from Austin FC. Um, and then their only other loss dating back all the way to like mid July was also against Austin FC. Um, so maybe wearing green Jeremiah will be uh, helpful for us. I I like that. I did not, uh, I did not see that one coming, but that's, I like that. Yeah. Uh, and, and knowing this game will probably wear the Jimi Hendrix kit, <laughs> you know, and it's, it is a, it is a, there for a game featuring two teams that don't seem to be like traditional rivals. I don't know that Kansas city could find more motivation than they like i i gotta imagine they will be as up for the for like ending the sounder season as they've been up for like almost any game this year uh and like this is the weird this is a rivalry that on paper doesn't seem like it should be that big of a one like the sounders have played some big games against kansas city but like not that recently like they haven't played in the playoffs since i think they've only met in the playoffs once and that was in 2016 uh, they obviously met in the U.S. Open Cup final, but that was 2012. That was a lifetime ago. Uh, There's been like huge regular season games, and then obviously the right. Well, it, that's what I mean that. is that then there's been all this <laughs> other stuff that's happened that outside of you know, like no, most notably the the body slam game last year. So I I don't know. I feel like Christian Roldan scoring a scoring a winner in this one would be fitting, wouldn't it? Yeah, and I think I don't think Tamili is going to play. Um, no, he's, I think he's out for the year, isn't he? Yeah, he's pretty injured um, for Kansas City. So it won't be as sweet of revenge, but uh, I don't think I care about revenge right now. They just need to win this game. <laughs> uh, kind of the in- injury report is Alan Polito for Kansas City. He's obviously been out all year. Um, uh, Gotti Kinda, I believe that's how you say his name. It's not Kinda, um, which is kind of the slang term that that looks like but uh he's gonna be out and then Tamili is also out uh for us uh Kellen Rowe is uh suspended uh we still don't know as I said Raul Ruiz Diaz we don't know his health um and then just kind of the obvious uh misses are gonna be missing um does anybody want to take like a stab at trying to guess what the formation is or do we all sort of think like we're just going to go back to the four, two, three, one. And that's what we're going to ride or die with. My suspicion, like the biggest question of Mark, I should say is probably, like, I think they're going to go back to the four, two, three, one. I think the bigger question is how they manage the midfield where you have Christian Roldan, Nico Ladero, Jordan Morris, uh, Albert Rusnak, Josh Atencio and Danny Leva all available six players for five spots. And I honestly don't know what they're going to do. Like it, maybe it makes sense to bring Christian, like the easiest decision might be to bring Christian off the bench, but I don't know if they're going to go. Like I could also see like, if Christian is fully fit, why wouldn't you, you know, why wouldn't you put him out there? I do think that um, I'm not Brian Schmetzer spoilers um <laughs> but uh, that the formation against cincinnati probably had a lot to do with how cincinnati lined up 
um, and maybe even less to do with the Sounders players available. So um, knowing that Kansas City doesn't traditionally line up in a three back or with extra midfielders, I would expect the Sounders to put four in the back for this game. And do we all sort of think that's going to be the the kind of tried and true new who Ariaga, Yamar, and uh, Alex Roldan? Or does anybody want to kind of maybe throw Christian Roldan at right back? Does anybody want to take that? Well, it will run be, with it. <laughs> I didn't see Alex at training today, and I don't. We didn't get a like. I don't. I don't have any reason to believe that he's not going to be available. But I. I suppose you know like. One of the things I thought that was interesting, and I don't know how much to read into it, but both in the buildup and then in the aftermath of the of the Gal- of the uh, Cincinnati game, Schmetzer kind of gave an indication that like the veteran group is not necessarily the group that he thinks is, gives them the best chance to win. And I don't know who, like, I'm not sure which positions he's he's talking about. It could mean Jackson Reagan, I suppose, at center mm-hmm. back. Uh, you know, he's been he he was like really really happy with Ethan Dobler's performance I a little hard for me to imagine Dobler just kind of replacing Alex Roldan at right back in a game like this but I suppose stranger things have happened uh but yeah it's I I could I think the least surprising thing would be if Jackson Reagan were to maybe take Ariaga's spot uh maybe I don't do you think that has anything to do with it anything other than on-field performance i i it felt i don't know it doesn't it i don't think so yeah i think that's fair tim i i have to agree with jeremiah i do think it was interesting that you know in his post-game comments schmetzer talked about how well he thought the young guys played and some of them really put themselves in a position where he's going to have to make hard decisions for the lineup for the Kansas city game. And then a couple questions later was like, Ethan Dobelair specifically is one of the guys that I was talking about. If that's that he starts it right back or, you know, if they do go back to the four, two, three, one, does he play one of the, wide attacking midfield positions i i really don't know i was kind of surprised that they went with three center backs against cincinnati um i would be more surprised if they went with three against kansas city um but maybe kansas city is a team that they see like sitting back and hitting on the counter as a good option against i'm i'm not sure um but i i think Reagan and Double Air are sort of the young guys that I can see inserted into a more, you know, usual lineup. Those comments about kind of the veteran group, um, maybe not necessarily being the ones to kind of take us home, whatever, wherever, and whatever home is at the end of this season, I find a little interesting, specifically because. Nicholas Sodero and A.B. Sissoko got into kind of a training situation in a game that Nico wasn't even training for. Right, Jeremiah? Yeah, that was I, best I can tell it had like there was a lot of speculation as to what may have happened there. And I was at training when it happened and I would be lying if I said I knew exactly what it was. But to me, what it sounded like was Nico made some sort of like 
your mama comment to uh to Sissoko (laughs) and that didn't go over well and I mean he was fired up uh but it I don't think it was like there was like like, oh people are going at Nico for not being fired you know like I don't I I I think it was like kind of trash talk okay all right so much for that theory (laughs) (laughs) I mean Waddell is not playing well so I no, but I don't think that's necessarily and I don't think and I don't say for as much as Ladero hasn't been another player who is like 10% worse than we would have liked him to have or more. 10%. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think the effort has ever been lacking. Yeah. Like he, you know, even, even the yellow card he received at first, I thought it was for descent, but it actually was a late tackle. Um, unnecessary late tackle I'll add, but it was, you know, like you're trying too hard type of situation. And yeah, I don't know. I would I I fully expect him to be back in the starting lineup though. And cool. he looked he looked sharp today at training. Um before before we go, I want to kind of get everybody's opinions on a couple of things and I'll start with Susie. Um uh, who if you have any sort of like lineup right field ideas, let's hear them and then just kind of Tell me what you, I mean, obviously you want the Sounders to win, but, and I'm not going to tell you to give me a prediction, but just tell me how you think it's going to go. <laughs> um, I, well, I guess in terms of lineup predictions, I could definitely see um, new who at left back. Um, I don't want to give him too much credit, but Johnny Russell likes to score against the Sounders and, Oh, um, God, you, I you know, have, I know <laughs> having more defensive um, yeah. left back probably makes sense for this game. Um, and in terms of how the game goes, I feel like if the Sounders score in the first half, they have a really good chance. That's all I feel like I can predict. Yeah. And scoring in the first half and scoring two goals it's usually a prediction that means the Sounders are going to win this season. Yeah. Because it's basically happened in every single game that they've won. Um, so let's just see two first half goals, right, Susie? <laughs> love it. Yeah. Would absolutely love to see it. Uh, Tim, do you have any kind of feelings for how this one's going to go or, or any kind of thoughts on the lineup? No real lineup thoughts. I I think I'd like to see as close to a full strength team as possible. Just you have to go for the win. There's not another option here. Um, I, I think a first choice lineup is probably a more fun lineup as well. Um, I don't know. Do you, uh, so like, obviously first choice lineup means railroad ideas, but if he's hurt, do you want to see Freddie or do you want to see Bruin start or even Jordan Morris start up top? If, if the idea is playing for, you know, counterattacks or transition moments as the best opportunity to get goals, I wouldn't be mad at playing Jordan Morris as your nine. And then maybe, you know, Christian and Rusnak are your wide attackers or if Christian plays in the pivot maybe you know maybe that's where Dobelair comes in and Rusnak plays as your 
position distribution guy on the left and double air makes runs from that right channel. Um, but yeah, if, if Rui Diaz isn't available, it definitely makes that decision harder. Yeah. Jeremiah, do you have any closing thoughts on what do you think the lineup's going to be and how you think the game's going to go? I would love, because if for no other reason, it would be very fitting for the Sounders to use Jordan Morris as a lone forward because I feel like we've wanted to see that all year. (laughs) And it hasn't, he hasn't made a single start as a forward this year. And it does seem like oh, in, uh, in the four two three one he started at forward and uh... yeah yeah sorry yeah you're you're absolutely right uh, so it would be somehow like this does seem like the kind of game that sets up well for him uh, and it also sort of helps answer the question of what do you do about the central midfield because you can you can put uh, roll down back on the on the right you can put Rustneck on the left you can put Ladero in the middle and you can have a Tensio and Leva as your as your defensive midfielders. I don't think that's what's going to happen, but I wouldn't mind it at all. Uh, but if it's between Morris or between Montero and Bruin, my suspicion is that it's going to be Montero. Uh, if for no other reason than he's the guy who scored Morris most recently. And that seems to be sort of like the way these decisions oftentimes. But he's also like the only guy who scored off the bench in like a year. So well, actually, Will Bruin oh, scored against yeah. Vancouver off the bench, which was right. Uh, but, Sorry, yeah. Will, I forgot about that goal. Uh, I hope you forgive me. I know you're. <laughs> I know you're a, a big listener. staunch listener. You're always in the comments. <laughs> all right. Uh, so everybody, we all think we're going to win. Uh, we're all, we all think we're going to score two goals in the first half. We're all going to have a really nice Sunday afternoon. Uh, yeah. because everything that needs to happen on Saturday and before the Sunday kickoff is going to happen. So um, any closing thoughts? I will be thrilled, honestly thrilled, if at the end of this weekend, the Sounders are playing for something on decision day. I feel like that in itself is like a little victory. And that like feels just like, and this isn't a very just sport, and I don't want to get anybody's hopes up more than we already have over the last hour or so. Uh, but that would feel just so um, I would lo- really like to thank Jeremiah, Tim and Susie for uh, being on the Sounder Art podcast. I'm obviously Mark Kastner and uh, hopefully by the time that we talk next, uh, we're going to be talking about a meaningful last game of the season. See ya.